You are listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. This is Volume 5, and in this volume, our goal or mission statement, as it were, is pretty simple. We are discussing a film or series that I own and host on my Plex account that I haven't seen, and we're going to decide at the end of the recording if I should keep or delete the file. In this episode, we are discussing the 2016 film, the winner of seven Oscars, including Best Picture... Wait, let me check my notes here. The winner of six six Oscars, including Best Actress, the film is La La Land. And for this discussion, I'm once again joined by a man who doesn't need a working furnace or thermostat to know that the chemistry between Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling is hot, hot, hot. He is, of course, the one and only Sean Stangland. You know, they say I have a knack for world building. <laughs> I love it. I love that guy. It's uh, I wrote him down. What is his name? Like Carl, Carlo. Yes, Carlo. <laughs> but Carlo is wonderful. Uh, before getting into our discussion, we are still brought to you by Derek Coward and the fine folks over the Deliberate Noise Network. Head to DeliberateNoise.com for more current and archived shows from the network. Mr. Stanglin, we are still drinking this evening. What are you uh, imbibing on? I wish I could say I was drinking some kind of fancy, uh, you know, Hollywood, a fancy cocktail uh, appropriate for a Hollywood party or a West Coast beer. But nope, it's Miller Lite, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Classing it up. I love it. Miller Lite. (laughs) Well, you know, you know, we've had uh, we've had a lot of repair work to do. We had some surprise vet bills this this month. So, you know. Miller Lite fits in the fits in the budget. This, <laughs> That's this week. true. That you cannot deny that. Uh, I'm having something that is maybe a little bit more in line with uh, with what we're talking about. It is a red wine. It is Moon X. It is a 2020 red wine. The label says that this is a juicy, super dense wine inspired by the total blackness of a new moon, a lunar phase occurring when the sun, earth, and moon are all aligned. Loaded with intense flavors of blackberries, black cherry, and dark chocolate, Moon X is the perfect wine to enjoy with roasted meats, barbecued anything, (laughs) barbecued anything, chocolates, or just by itself. So that's what I'm having. And it's... uh. It's just kind of like what you would think a red blend is like. It's pretty, pretty <laughs> fruit. It's pretty fruit forward, and uh, not bad, not too bad, and cheap. I believe my wife got this at uh, Trader Joe's for not too much. So that is what we are drinking. Those, uh, that is the film that we're going to be discussing, and it again is from 2016, and it is called La La Land. Two options: you either follow my rules or follow my rules. Capiche? Thank you. I can do it a different way. Oh, that's that's fine. Thank you very much. Running into each other. Maybe it means something. I doubt it. Yeah, I don't think so. 
you could just write your own rules, you know, write something that's as interesting as you are. What are you going to do? I have my own club. Is that going to happen every time? I think so. How are you going to be a revolutionary if you're such a traditionalist? You're holding on to the past, but jazz is about the future. Maybe I'm not good enough. Yes, you are. Maybe I'm not. It's like a pipe dream. This is the dream. It's conflict and it's compromise. It's very, very exciting. And Sean, the IMDb plot synopsis for this one is a doozy, uh, <laughs> just based on what I saw just at the very beginning. And, and people have asked me this before. I struggle reading these based on how it is written. <laughs> I can read just fine. <laughs> but this uh, goes like this. Jammed in a wide stretch of highway in sun kissed Los Angeles, the morning commuters, Sebastian, a suavely charming jazz pianist whose life got him on the ropes hmm. Oof. and Mia, a brilliant playwright waiting for her big break are off to a bad start. Of course, Sebastian, a purist with an undiluted taste in music has a serious plan for the future. On the other hand, Mia, an incurable romantic mesmerized by the allure of the old Hollywood is consumed between meaningless auditions. Hmm. What? These two proper LA dreamers are meant for each other and as they keep running into each other under the city's starry nights and plum-hued sunrises, a magical old-school tap-dance romance timidly commences. Indeed, this is the kind of effervescent love that defies reason, that inspires one to have long walks while gazing at the Milky Way of the city's flickering lights. Nevertheless, life is as <laughs> exciting as it is challenging, and the two idealists begin to veer from their dreams. Does true love exist only in the movies? Question mark. Do dreams ever come true? So remember the face Damien Chazelle made on the stage when when <laughs> the Oscar was taken away from him? That's the face I'm picturing right now. <laughs> the, huh? What's happening? <laughs> Why is this uh, achievement of mine being taken from me? Yeah. Whew. So that is the uh, IMDb plot synopsis. As the volume would suggest, I have not seen this film up until today. So, Sean, why don't you tell me about you and your history with La La Land? Well, I would say that I had a very fiery romance with La La Land for about a year, a year and a half. Um, and now I don't need to see it so often, but I will always <laughs> be in love with it. Uh, this was, you know, Damien Chazelle, this was his second big movie, and it was the second time where I saw the trailer for this movie, just like with Whiplash. And I said, well, that's going to be my favorite movie of the year. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, it was. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, this movie doesn't feel like it's that long ago, seven years ago already. Well, really a little over six because it came out at Christmas time of 2016. Mm -hmm. um, but it already feels 
like a movie that you couldn't even make today. It's very, it's, I feel like this movie has aged a lot in its, in its six plus years. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's, I mean, this movie has moments that are just, there's no other way to describe them. It's just magic. It's just, there's so many times watching this movie, like, this is why you go to the movies. Mm. So uh, that's why it inspired a, a very deep, love in me the, the i saw it three times at the theater wow and i'd say like the first year that it was out i would just watch it all the time i've seen it at least 10 times look at you holy cow so contrary to you the only thing that i knew about this movie going in was the the oscar controversy mm. um i knew i mean it's not the only thing i guess i knew that it was a kind of a throwback musical ryan gosling emma stone aren't they so cute together kind of a mm-hmm. thing, right? And I'm like, you know, uh <clears throat> my impression of it was going to be that it it was just like a little too Wes Anderson for me. Mm. Uh if you know what that means that for me mm-hmm. like Wes Anderson is like the uh, is the director that I find hard to connect with because everything is so mannered to where I don't ever feel anything. And I knew that this won a ton of awards for technical achievements and you know your production design and what have you. And my concern, especially uh, as I go through my notes, was warranted at the beginning because we start off with the highway and the reason that I never want to live in L.A. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, it's another day, right? It's another day of sun. I go more like another day of having to put the goddamn captions on because I couldn't make heads or tails of what they were singing at the beginning. And I'm like, I don't like it it was one of those things where this wasn't... uh, the version that I have was from Redbox, and it's not like it was a 7.1 on a 5.1 system or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, this is like, this is a 5.1 surround. Why can I not make out what these lyrics are? So on went the captions, right? And on they stayed. And so I'm like, going, I'm looking at my notes here, and I'm like writing things down, like um, some strange, like Edgar Wright choices uh, when she's working at the coffee shop. It's like it's like what I think of of being an Edgar Wright thing with the you know the very quick cuts and very close uh, shots of things, and so for the first twenty five minutes I put, uh oh because I'm feeling <laughs> like this is all about L A and jazz and I don't give a shit about either of those things. Mm-hmm. And then at the end I have a lot of dammits, a lot of fucks, a lot of crying faces, a lot mm. of like, God damn you movie I put God damn you movie yeah God. Uh, <laughs> And so it had me in tears by the time I was done with this. Mm-hmm. And I was so surprised because I felt like I was battling the movie for the first 20 minutes or so. And I was like, ooh, I don't know. Like, if if we weren't recording tonight, maybe I would pause and come back at this because I don't know if I'm in the right frame of mood or frame of mind to see this. And I don't know if this is going to work. And then by the end of it, it won me over. And I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, this was so, <laughs> so this was so good. So that we don't need to wait till the end. Like, this is an easy keep for me. Um, mm. I think that, well, I want to hear more w- about what you said, but I think that some of the issues that I do have is that I don't, I don't love either one of them singing. Um, I don't know if that's a thing that like got brought up a lot when this was, uh, making the rounds and award season. So I didn't, it was. Okay. So I didn't love that. I like the part that got me is towards the end when she finally is allowed to open her mouth when she's singing. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's not. She's not singing with her head voice anymore. Yes. She's not whisper mm-hmm. singing. Yes. Yeah. And and so that where I was like fuck and a that was one of the times where I wrote fuck damn it I'm crying um, was it was the my aunt used to live in Paris it was that story mm-hmm. and where she was finally able to like belt was when it really sort of was really hitting me hard but up until then I was like I don't I don't know if they're I don't know if they're good enough for this where I was like. I was thinking, like, is this just a very good college, like, musical performance? Because they're doing the, at the time when I wasn't connecting with it, I was like, they're doing the motions, they're, they're singing the, the the lyrics, but I'm not connecting with it and, because of the way that they sound when they, when, they, when they were singing. So, so anyway, that's, long story long, that's my, like, journey that I went through from really kind of not thinking much of it to really sort of being succumbed by the film. And today when I watched it, I felt like I was watching it with a critical eye for the first time, or at least trying to, mm. because I, I, this was the, a, a movie where I was wrapped up from the opening second of this movie. Really? Okay. When I first saw it, I was just like, this is exactly my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, you know, even like starting with the CinemaScope logo oh, yeah. in, a, in the box and then <laughs> expanding the box to CinemaScope or aspect ratio. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm here for this. <laughs> um, so today, when I watched it, I was my, my goal was kind of like to decide if this movie has an ironic or satiric bone in its entire body. And I don't think that it does. I think this is a pure expression of, of love for the business, for show business Mm. of love for these characters, love for LA and, um, and, and for movie making technique. I mean, it's definitely an exercise in style Mm -hmm. and I've watched some of the special features again today and, Chazelle is so excited about all the things he's going to do, especially with the epilogue. Like we're going to do this, this sort of like, you know, uh, um, impressionistic ballet sort of thing that used to be standard in like the biggest movies of, of, of the, you know, like the biggest movies of the time in the fifties when the Mm. most popular movies could also have these impressionistic sequences. Like, so, I mean, he's all about, I mean, he was like in his early twenties, I think when he made this. So it's, Mm -hmm. It has that kind of energy of a young uh, guy trying. He's like, I think it was 32 because he, I think he was the youngest to ever win best director. I think I saw that oh, in, the, okay. in the trivia. It, it has the energy kind of, you know, the same energy as Ryan Gosling in this movie where he's a young guy who desperately wishes he was born in another time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if this movie, I don't know if Damien Chazelle understands or thinks that Ryan Gosling's character is kind of full of shit for the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. that, you know, and so if he doesn't, then that's then I mean, that's who Damien Chazelle is. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, watching this, I'm like, Ryan Gosling's, you know, Seb is totally full of shit in this whole movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, you know, a big criticism of the time. And I think that lingers with this movie and why this movie perhaps doesn't have the reputation that I thought it would going forward is that it's you know it's about this white guy trying to reclaim jazz for himself Mm, in in mm -hmm. in the 21st century and i don't know if damien chazelle is aware of that or not when he's making this yeah i did think about that when it was like him surrounded (laughs) by he's the only white guy in the in the club where he takes her the first time Yes. Uh huh. And he's the only white guy there, and it's like, here's why this is so good. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like it. But you know, but 
But then there's things like, you know, there's hints. And I, I don't think this is a subtle movie at all, but I, I'm trying to look for anything in this movie that's not just, you know, a love letter to everything that's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like, in the very beginning, he's listening to this one piano riff in the car so that he can try to reproduce it exactly at home. And you see him doing that. It's like, well, that's not jazz. Jazz is all about free form and interpretation, mm-hmm. and he's trying to nail it. So it's like, it's showing you right there that he doesn't get it. Yeah, but, that's a, but that's, I, don't, but that's I feel like he doesn't really have a journey in the movie, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. So this is what this is my first note about Emma Stone's character was mm. I put I put ooh that you know both times uh, during her auditions that went poorly I, I singled them out and I was like oh god ooh <laughs> you know and and realizing or seeing after the fact that uh, the her crying moment and being interrupted was based uh-huh. was based on a real thing that happened to Ryan Gosling. Mm. And so they put that in the movie. Um but I felt like where where is the growth for her because I felt like she was good all the time or we were led to believe that she was good but she mm. was going unnoticed. But then when she does her one woman play and the the bros are there which I'm like why are these bros there anyway? Yeah. But mm-hmm. the bros are there and they're telling they're telling the audience that she's bad. And I was like, okay, so this is supposed to be like, no, maybe she isn't very good. And like, you know, the, the main thing that really got the tears going was the, the, maybe I'm not, uh, scene outside of her house mm-hmm. to where that one were is where he's really, you know, he's really working out some stuff. Damien Chazelle to where he's, I don't know if this is like a, he came off of whiplash and was like, maybe I'm having imposter syndrome or maybe I'm a fraud or, or maybe I'm just not good enough. And he puts that in me as character at that moment because she's, mm-hmm. you know, basically saying maybe she's not good enough. And, um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't know that I felt like either one of them really grew that much. It was just sort of like if they got the attention that they should have gotten to begin with. Right. And like, I didn't really think about it before today, but at the end, when um, when Ryan Gosling is imagining what what would have happened, oh if yeah, they the had alternate together, reality, yeah, it's everything would have been exactly the same, except <laughs> that he was there. Yeah, like they, you know, it's like they both got their dream, but mm-hmm. it turns out that his dream needed to have her in it, mm-hmm. but he fucked it up. I mean, or they fucked it up collectively. Um, but yeah, I feel like if there's any growth, it's sort of like, uh, Mia realizing, I don't know if she realizes it, how let me start over. If there's any growth, (laughs) it's like, wait, you know, when Mia's at that dinner with, uh, Finn Whitrock, who plays her Mm. soon to be Mm ex-boyfriend and like these upper crust people talking about, you know, rich people problems, it's like, (laughs) she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to be there. She doesn't want to hear it. She runs off with Ryan Gosling. But by the end of the movie, you know she's one of those people now. Because mm-hmm. she's like <laughs> she's like the most famous actress in town now at the end of the movie. So uh, you know she's one of those people now. <laughs> right. And that's, so, and that's what her goal is, though, right? Is to be right. – she's okay with – she. it's like she's okay with quote-unquote selling out, but she right. encourages Seb not to. Or it's like she understands that – the entertainment industry still requires you to treat it like a job. And Seb mm. doesn't get that. Oh, okay. And, like, 
and you know, and like he's so uh, offended by the Samba Tapas place. <laughs> right. Like he goes and has his coffee across the street just so he, just so he can apparently performatively be angry at it for no one. <laughs> well, and then he like, and he grabs their junk every once in a while too. Right. But then, like when he's talking about opening his club, he wants to call it Chicken on a Stick and have like a have like a hook where they have chicken <laughs> at the jazz bar, and that's mm-hmm. like well, you're doing the same thing. Like, right. <laughs> it's like he doesn't get it. That's why I want to I want to think that Damien Chazelle knew that he didn't get it, but I don't know if that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's really like, interesting. No, like these characters don't have. I feel like they don't have a moment of realization, a moment of self-reflection, really. They get, they, they both get what they wanted. They just don't get it together. Yeah. And, and I've been trying to figure out all day if that matters. Mm. And I, and maybe it doesn't because the movie is just, it's not asking you to ask those questions. Maybe the movie is just asking you to enjoy this beautiful fantasy musical that we made. Sure. Yeah, and so, on that level, it's amazing. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> One of the things that uh, I really enjoyed is kind of like the the moments that surround what I already knew from memes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the main one that I see all the time is just is Emma Stone really hamming it up while he's doing Iran. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> like, I see that all the time, and I'm kind of like... I don't. I don't know that I would be friends with Emma Stone, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, especially as this character, because that that's the sort of thing. Like doing that sort of stuff, I'd be like, all right, I I gotta go. Like I'm out of here. <laughs> like I would. That's not the sort of thing that would be fun for me. Just having all of that attention drawn upon herself like that. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. But what was wonderful about that is what we mentioned earlier is the Carlo edition. <laughs> is Carlo, who's the guy that sh- she's supposed to, she's there to meet. Right, mm-hmm. who she brushes off, who she later like, um, I believe it's the same guy when she asks Sebastian to find her keys. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's like really kind of doing him wrong. Um, but I love the fact that that dude is like, oh yeah, have you ever heard of Joseph Campbell? Uh, you know, and just doing all this <laughs> douchey like writer stuff. <laughs> because uh not to name names but a friend of mine had a meeting recently with someone that was going to perhaps um run a show with her and he mm. was saying like oh yeah it's like joseph campbell and this 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 and, <laughs> Good Lord. and so this carlo thing really struck home for me um uh, just based on the conversation from last week which made me lose my mind when i saw that i was like oh my god i can't escape joseph fucking campbell <laughs> Um, but I thought that that was funny. And then one of the things that I really enjoyed in here is when they used the, the structure of breaking the two stories apart Mm -hmm. and we get the lead up with Mia to where he is at the, the restaurant playing piano, playing like fucking jingle bells, like he's seven or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we cut back to getting Gosling's story. And I was like, Ooh, I was like the Gosling, Gosling section had more heart because I didn't, I didn't really know, like she was living with these girls, but it didn't seem like she was really having any kind of major struggle other than just like working at the shop. Oh yeah. No, I mean, yeah, she lives in this huge apartment. Now granted that is how I, having seen LA apartments, that is how LA apartments are. Even if you don't have much money, there are these huge apartments and you have to have 87 roommates, mm. but so she's driving a Prius and she's working at a coffee shop. It's like, 
she can go home to Boulder City whenever she wants, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I did like that I did like that we had his sort of you know, because later when she's talking on the phone with her parents and he's looking and he's got a leak in his roof and he's got, you know, these different issues and she's talking about how he doesn't have a a uh, real job or a steady job. I'm like, oh, okay, like I get more um, struggle out of him than I mm-hmm. do her. Uh, and so I thought that that was well done. And then I started, I, I like really started coming around once they had the the walk through War- the Warner Brothers lot mm. and the conversation up to when she says I hate jazz where mm-hmm. they go to the club and you know he's talking about oh you know the the world thinks that jazz sucks and it should just die on the vine and I'm like sorry Sebastian <laughs> 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 maybe I agree with the world because there's there's points to where she like has legitimate and fairly good points to where she's like yeah but you just hear this in an elevator or you play this at a cocktail party and you just talk over it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not anything anymore. Um, and so I, I like that the fact that Chazelle is aware enough to bring that up, um, to bring up some, you know, counterpoints to maybe Sebastian is just needs to get over it. And there's evolution in the world, you know? Well, yeah. And I mean, John legend has all that mm. dialogue with him about how he's living in the past and jazz is the future. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to keep evolving. And I wish that that, I feel like that conversation doesn't really pay off. Yeah, it doesn't because, well, John legend, first of all, has like a character that makes that made like their relationship made no sense to me. No, no, it's just like the, like I, I guess they knew each other in college and Ryan Gosling is kind of a hired hand for his band. And he doesn't, he just, shuns being a hired hand for anybody even though i honestly think those look like the best jobs in the world (laughs) (laughs) oh you get to play keyboard on stage with john legend oh you get to play 80s covers at a a cool party (laughs) sounds good to me (laughs) especially one that pays a lot more than uh, the one at the party (laughs) i would imagine (laughs) but yeah and then he goes on tour and gets a cut of the merchandise and all that sort of stuff yeah but what was interesting was it was like okay they're playing this they're playing this like modern version of jazz, which I was like, Oh, okay. That's, that's interesting. And you know, there's this whole point that he's making. And then he fucks off when he realizes that he's, uh, missing out on her one woman show, mm-hmm. uh, during the, the cringy, like photography moment. Um, <laughs> I love that guy who plays the photographer. <laughs> yeah, when he's like telling him to bite his lip and stuff. I feel like some of that, if that's, if that's in the script, that's wonderful. But that feels like, uh, Gosling <laughs> improving to me, Absolutely. Uh, but it could be in the script. Who knows? But uh, I thought that that was, I thought that that was really wonderful. But then he just like he walks out, and I'm like, dude, you're like, you're just the keyboardist, mm-hmm. and it's he's got this, he's got such a high opinion of himself at some of these moments where I'm like, come on, man, like what you're doing in this band, especially when we've already seen him be overshadowed by the dancers and what have you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I just felt myself at times struggling with the, the perspective for the Sebastian character. Yeah. He's, I think every time I've watched it, I, I'm, I, I get more and more frustrated by his behavior, mm. but then I just look at his goddamn face. I mean, <laughs> well, I, I put in here that, uh, let's see. 
I put, uh, oh, that Gosling is so convincing in in his, like, risk-taking attitude and comments. Mm-hmm. To where he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, essentially he's saying, we're, you're going to change the world. Of yeah. course you are. You're going mm-hmm. gonna to do it, you know, because you're awesome. And it's like, this is the sort of shit that he would do in things like Blue Valentine mm. uh, with Michelle Williams, to where he would say certain things and they just felt like absolutes when he says them. He's just, I mean... Let's let's not mince words here. If you're gonna make a movie like this, I it's, I'd be hard pressed to think of two more charming, attractive, beautiful, wonderful, lovable people than these two people. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I mean, that's that's a big part of why I love this movie. It's like there's a reason why I was excited to buy the Funko Pops of these two characters <laughs> and put them on my shelf right next to my Funko Pops of Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm. Like, like that's like that's the level of affection I have for these characters, and it's not just the characters; it's the actors too. It's just like sometimes a movie is just really beautiful people that you fall in love with, mm-hmm. <laughs> you being the audience. And mm-hmm. That definitely happened with me here, in addition to everything else around it. And it's just, yeah, it's just watching it today, trying to be more critical of it, and not just getting wrapped up in it. I was like, hey, what is he doing? But you still, you want to go along with him because, I mean, look at him. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, some of the other things that I put in here was the, I love some of the details that, again, like the Gosling uh, interruption during the emotion thing, seems like it's real where she's all excited about the callback. Mm-hmm. Right. And she goes in there and she barely says a word. And then she's like, that was real fun. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> she has in your that. own time <laughs> yeah 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 and she has that one little like shitty sort of like well, this is bullshit like what are you what are you bothering mm-hmm. uh, you know and i i thought that that was really good i loved the rebel without a cause moment uh where they're finally first getting together because it was like it was it, it goes along with what you were saying about how they're both so attractive it's like what are you guys so worried about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you guys saw each other before you left your homes, right? <laughs> like, well, I, and, you know, it's like no matter how bad it gets for them in this movie, it's not really bad. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing really bad happens to them in this movie. <laughs> like, it's like it's all going to be just fine for you. Right. That is that, you know, that's I was thinking of that today, too. It's like when you have um, a movie that asks you to accept Emma Stone, a <laughs> mm-hmm. hugely successful movie star as a struggling actress that's always kind of a disconnect it's like uh when the star is born came out mm-hmm. and you're like i'm supposed to accept lady gaga as someone who's not successful but of course i think it actually worked better there because uh her persona in that movie is so far removed from her from her public from her, persona yeah right right that it seemed like it seemed almost autobiographical in that way yeah because... but in this yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say in that movie in particular, it's sort of like a Lady Gaga that you hadn't seen because it's not it's not the sort of like done up Super Bowl halftime uh, poker face version of Lady Gaga. So you're like, oh, geez, like this is a little bit more like normal looking of her. Yeah. To where it's like, right. you look at Emma Stone in this and you're like, yeah, it's Emma Stone. Like, yeah, what, what, Emma are Stone. You, what are you guys <laughs> casting directors? What is your problem? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the true villains of the piece are the casting directors. 
I do like uh, I wanted to, to mention some of the um, the women at the front where they have their little uh, what I was calling the pink ladies moment, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which was her roommates, right? When they're singing, and you have uh, Jessica Rothy and uh, Sonia Mizuno, who Jessica Rothy is best known as Sean Horror. Uh, happy Death Day. Happy Death Day woman, yes. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I was like, that's the Happy Death Day girl. <laughs> and then Sonia Mizuno is uh, from Ex Machina. She oh, is, that's right. She is oh, the, the she, bot that goes crazy. She also has a disastrous uh, appearance on House of the Dragon. <laughs> oh, who is she in that? She's She plays... Oh, who does she? She plays like the, um, like she's a lady of the night who's connected to. Um, oh no! Damon, this is this Damon is the woman Targaryen. No, this is the woman that's doing the like Italian accent or something. Yes, the terrible oh, no. accent. Yes. Uh-huh, oh yeah. Miseria is her name. <laughs> yes, that's right. Oh brother! You know when she came on, I was like, I know who this is. Who is this? <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the few moments in that show where I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> Cause the rest of it, we, we enjoyed over at this house. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that, uh, Oh, I have in, in here that, uh, Chazelle, not only does, is he working out stuff with the, maybe I'm not good enough, basically monologue, but it's also when he's, or I guess it's dialogue. Um, it's when he is, when Emma Stone is creating her one woman play and she says, is it too nostalgic? <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, that is directly from the author yeah, <laughs> speaking absolutely. to the audience <laughs> saying, because it's like, you know, this is a like updated version of a Mary Poppins, Disney, like old school musical. Like this is a capital mm-hmm. M musical mm-hmm. and you got, you better get with the program that this is, what it's going to be, or you're just not going to enjoy yourself. Well, yeah. And I think having not just one musical number, but two right off the top, mm-hmm. I think that was very smart. Cause it's like, yes, this is the movie you came to see. Right. Yeah. yeah and so that's, <laughs> that's why that first one, I was like, what the fuck? Because I, you know, obviously knew the stars of the show and I was like, I don't, I don't see anybody that I know, like what is going on here? And then mm-hmm. when we did it again with the with the roommates, I was like, oh, no, they're just like ramming into your face like this is a musical, everybody. <laughs> this yeah. is musical rules, you know, and, and, <laughs> and that sort of thing. So I did like that. So here's my here's my controversial take, Mr. Stangland, okay. is that uh, I don't think City of Stars is very good. Uh, it certainly is not the song that should have been up for the Oscar. No. And and I I guess. I, well, I guess I don't really know why it's the one up for the Oscar because I mean, Ryan Gosling, I think would probably ad- would admit that he's not a strong singer, and that might be part of the point. Is <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I don't I don't really get why that's the song that they that won the Oscar. Yeah, interesting. Um, I guess where I where I came down on it was the intention was clear. Mm-hmm. It was just an execution thing. And it was, again, like where I wrote down up until that my aunt used to live in Paris thing Mm -hmm. is that everyone was just sort of like not very confidently singing Mm -hmm. and just sort of like, I don't want to embarrass myself. I'm thinking I think I might fuck up here. So I'm just going to kind of whisper sing it. Um, And in contrast, I was thinking like when you have someone that is actually a musician or when you have something like 
uh, I wrote down in my notes that came off the top of my head was like a movie like Once, where you have like actual musicians in the film. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, here's essentially a musical, but this is like people that are musicians first and actors much uh, lower down the totem pole. And here, this is like, this is an actory version, but it's like, w- this is no Judy Garland sort of situation. You know, <laughs> this is like, a, this is like 2016's approximation of an old school musical, but this is where I was sort of like teetering between like, I don't know if, I don't know if the two of them are good enough singers to pull this off. And that was kind of where I was like, oh no, like I'm, I'm on your side now. <laughs> I'm on the movie's side, but mm-hmm. those were, those were things that started to, concerned me and it wasn't until we got to his return and surprise from the tour to where that's when i was really sort of sold on the movie huh um and he gets you know he comes back and then they start having this disagreement about what's going to happen next and they start she starts questioning his desire to open up the club and i think what really got me was the fact that Chazelle is smart enough in these dialogue moments, or the actors did this, who knows, is that they start talking about the long haul, like what's, you know, long haul, what are we? And it has such space between those moments. And that was something that I feel like the older I get, or maybe the more I work at uh, reading scripts for a job, I notice the space in performances. Because I feel like anymore, everyone is so on top of each other with their deliveries Mm. And mm-hmm. no one is ever actually thinking. They're just delivering lines. Uh, and an, completely unrelated to this, I um, recorded an episode a couple of, maybe like a week ago, on Doctor Strange 2. And in that movie in particular, Benedict Cumberbatch is like on top of Elizabeth Olsen's line delivery. Hmm. Like every time she says anything, like she barely finishes the syllable and he's like right there with the next line. And it bugged the shit out of me. And I was like, what is he doing this for? Like, this has got to be for a reason. Because he wasn't doing that with anybody else. And so, in that recording, which by this time came out um, months ago, um, people would have been able to hear me sort of work my way into explaining that as a character choice. But I feel like this is one of the instances where the two of them are allowed to sort of breathe and like feel like real people to me. And yeah, I'm looking at Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, but I'm like, oh no, this this is them. Like this is these are real breathing people, and they're at a crossroads, and there's no good solution, and there's no answers. And I loved that. <laughs> I loved that there was like, neither one of them was like, oh, you know what? I'll just do this. Oh, done, fixed, got it. And they were just kind of loft. They were just kind of at a place to where they didn't know what to do next. And I thought that that was really good. And I love the fact that, you know, she just leaves. There's no like, fuck you. And then she takes mm-hmm. off or something, you know, she just yeah. leaves. Every time I've seen this movie, that scene, when that scene comes, I'm like, Oh God, here, now we're at this scene. Really? It's okay. like, this is this, no, but, but this is the scene that has to happen. You know, and oh, right. <laughs> you know yeah. how it goes in every movie. And then by the end of the scene, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a great scene because it doesn't it doesn't work the way that you think it's going to work. It mm-hmm. doesn't um, it doesn't hit all of the uh, hyperbolic beats. Right. And I the the best part of that scene is when he makes the 
and he says the thing about how um you felt better when I was down in the dumps or whatever, mm, when yeah, I was yeah, struggling yeah. Mm-hmm. and she stops for a beat and goes, are you kidding? Mm-hmm. Like that's when that scene goes from, you know, kind of like the annoying scene that we have to have, even though this is this, you know, big romantic fantasy to, Oh, Oh no, this shit just got real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is where, the, this is where the characters get real for a moment. Like you said. Yeah, yeah. And that's where, that's where they have that space because he sits there for a while because you're like, he, you know, he doesn't really know what to say in the moment, and he just, you know, he says no that he's not kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's tough because then he, you know, the most biting moment is when he says, "Well, you're you're an actress." Like she, she doesn't understand you're an actress, and he's essentially yeah. calling her a failure at the moment. And she, Emma Stone, does her best Emma Stone in that moment, <laughs> mm. <laughs> to where she's just kind of like can't believe what is happening. Face, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like, like that's like one of her signatures. I feel like it's her. Um, making herself look silly is one of her signatures, mm-hmm. uh, which she does in that Iran moment. And then it's her in this, I can't believe what a dickhead you are sort of expression. And she does have one of the great faces in all of movies. Yeah, that's those, for sure. Those are the two things that I think of when I think of her. It's like, it's those sort of, whether it's like Birdman or this or any of the other things that she's in, it's like, there's always a moment where someone says something and she's like, you are such a fucking asshole. <laughs> and she gives that same sort of expression. And I love it every time. It's not one of those like crutches, you know, it's just like, Ooh, yes, there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that I, and I wanted to get your opinion on this. The only thing that I wished, because by this moment, like I'm, I'm in now, like, you know, I'm all the way into it. Um, Oh, the only thing that I missed earlier she gets invited to go out with him to rebel without a cause. Mm-hmm. And he says, it's a Monday at 10 PM. <laughs> and I go, ugh, youth. <laughs> Cause who the fuck is going to a 10 PM show on a Monday? Not me, not 40 some year old me. No, and, you know, and, and that's the kind of detail where if it wasn't in LA, you'd be like, who the hell's showing? Like, no, LA. It's like, yeah, any given night you could be showing <laughs> exactly. a repertory screening of anything at, any time of the day <laughs> yeah just look at the new the new bev and all the stuff that they show at god exactly. knows when or when they do their 24-hour things and all that kind of stuff <laughs> but yeah uh the only thing that i was that i didn't necessarily have like an issue with but i wanted to hurt more is when she gives her one woman show it doesn't go very well there's hardly anybody there uh we hear the bros talking which is i don't really love that bit but it's when he he comes to the place and you know catches her when she's when she's leaving and she says I'm done mm-hmm. and gets in the car and takes off like I w- that was a moment where I wanted that to hurt more than it did because and I don't know if it's because it was as short as it was but the intention still works for me that she's just fed up and she's not even she's it's not even worth fighting about she's just had it and so i think that that's good but i was like this is the moment where they're breaking up like this i wanted this to hurt me more than it hurt it that more than it hurt me so i don't know i don't know i i, I guess i didn't think about it that way because i 
maybe just in watching it, I'm like, well, I see how much time. See, I can tell how much time there kind of is left in the movie. You know? <laughs> I mean, they're going to get back together in some to way. <laughs> you know, yeah, we still got some ground to cover here. I don't know. Um, well, I, I don't know. Like, like watching it today, I was like, really? That's it? You're going to give up after that? Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I kind of forget about by that point. I think the movie sweeps you up enough that you kind of forget about all the failed auditions. At least I do. Oh, sure. Because it's just like, well, what more do you need? You're dancing in a jazz club with Ryan Gosling, for fuck's sake. Yeah, right. um, Yeah, so that was the only thing where I was like, I was so impressed with the amount of space that they gave their initial breakup. And then mm-hmm. when they were actually breaking up, it seemed like it, it just seemed like it went really quickly. And I was like, well, yeah. what the hell? Like, why aren't you giving this the space that mm. uh, you gave the other one? Um, but then, you know, we have the the audition and him going there or, you know, him getting the call of her audition and her him driving to her home and remembering where it was or remembering where she said it was. And then mm-hmm. we have that exchange that I've talked about several times. Um, and then we have the the sort of musical fantasy moment where, again, the my aunt used to live in Paris, which I loved all of that stuff. And there mm-hmm. was tears and I was like so completely into it. Um, and then we what do you think about jumping to five years later? Is that a controversial thing or is that like a like storybook romance necessity for the story? Hmm. I don't I guess well, I never really thought of it as being a strange move. I, it, it always kind of made sense to me because mm, because of the world I that feel, we're in. Well, I, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, that their story. You know that their story is over as a unit, I guess, at that mm, point. OK. But at least I feel like it. So jumping five years ahead, it does it does make sense that you know to sh- so that you can infer who they've become in those five years. Mm-hmm. You can see who they, and and you know like I said today, when he has the fantasy about what have happened, it all would have worked out the same except that he was with her and it was his kid. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like well he's he had got his dream but he's still unfulfilled. Whereas she, I feel like completely fulfilled is completely fulfilled <laughs> yeah she she would have been happy either way is what like yeah. her her life is set regardless yeah it's it you know it so yeah i guess it in that moment it becomes a sad bastard movie about damien chazelle i guess i don't know <laughs> i guess i guess <laughs> i um, i did put in here i put oh this jazzy alternative reality is wonderful <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean the visuals of it and yeah. the staging of it, it's just it's it's great. It's mm-hmm. it's wonderful. <laughs> like the doing the audition as in shadow, and just mm-hmm. all the little stylistic choices. It's like a you know a pastiche of styles, mm-hmm. kind of like a you know it's like a little a little film school into itself of all the different things you can do. I mean, <laughs> right, right. It, I mean it is Damien Chazelle showing off. The whole mm-hmm. movie is Damien Chazelle showing off. And so that's, I mean, that's kind of like the ultimate test of this movie is like, if you watch this and you feel like he's showing off, you're not going to like it. But if you watch it and you get wrapped up in it, then it worked. And I mean, I'm, you know, I've been wrapped up in it for six plus years now. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. What did you, so the, the only moment that I was sort of like, I was questioning a little bit as, as how it was going to wrap up was when. Gosling is like you can you can tell that he's very successful that well you can tell that he's opened his business and it seems yes. like it's doing well. 
Mm-hmm, but it's still like, you know, in a basement without an exterior sign. Right. So it's and, kind of like still like an open secret kind of thing. Exactly. And it's it's got maybe like 30 to 50 people there. Yeah, it sounds about you right. You know, like it, it is like a hole in the wall sort of cool guy L.A. bar that you hear mm-hmm. about from like way back in things like Swingers, right? Right. Is that, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so it was like when he finally says welcome to Seb's to her. And he's got the bang in his face and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, okay, so this is not going to be a happy story for both of them. And of course, he's going to play, you know, the musical notes from the beginning. It was one of those things where it's like you could see almost all of the beats that the movie was about to hit, mm-hmm. but it just didn't, it didn't matter. No, because they're so well done. <laughs> and you're mm-hmm. just like, this is just movie. Fucking making is what it was. It was basically what it was. It was just like, let me show you how good I can do this thing that you think that you don't care about anymore. Yeah. These musicals. Uh, so I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it a lot. One of the other things that I do have on my Plex that I've yet to see that I've heard less good things about is First Man. Have you mm-hmm. seen that? I have. And it's a movie that I desperately need to watch again. I think it's a very good movie, but it's a very different movie from mm-hmm. everything else he's done. Oh, I haven't seen Babylon either, but um, yeah, because basically he's known for doing Guy and Madeline, which was just like you know an introduction kind of a, a film, and then mm-hmm. Whiplash was his big breakout again about jazz and about what it means to be either legendary or you know Miles Teller in that movie talks about being a legend or being and and dying penniless or mm-hmm. making like a, a good living. And he would rather die penniless, mm-hmm. uh, which is a little bit of what Seb's got going yeah. um, in here. And so I'm like, okay, like he's working through that. Uh, and then first man, which is, I don't know anything about this movie other than it's Ryan Gosling and, and uh, you know, it, it just, it's just a surprising choice, I guess. Well, I do. I think it, the overarching theme of these four movies, and again, I'm just assuming because I haven't seen Babylon, is sort of like deconstructing the spectacle. Mm, okay. And like First Man, you know, it, he he plays Neil Armstrong, who's thought of as this American hero. And the whole movie is just kind of like how, you know, he was not – nothing about him was particularly well, – I shouldn't say not heroic, but he's not a hero. Mm. he's not he doesn't feel he doesn't he's not a proud character he's not a happy character it's just it's you know it's kind of like a dark night dark journey of the soul for neil armstrong kind of movie and it's also the only one that uh i believe up to this point that he didn't also write correct because josh singer wrote that and i think the other ones he wrote and directed yes i believe that's true and did you this is a little bit of side trivia but did you realize that he was one of the writers on 10 Cloverfield Lane. Who, Josh Singer? No, G- Damien Chazelle. Oh, no, I did not. Yeah. That's he, interesting. Screenplay by, along with Josh Campbell and Matt Stukin. Well, and there, speaking of movies, I'd like to see it for a second time. Hmm, that's it's interesting. 10 Cloverfield, yeah. Weird. I remember liking that movie, but I would not have. And he also wrote uh, the, the, last es- <laughs> the Last Exorcism Part 2. <laughs> What the hell? Really? Yeah. Okay. It, it was uh, him and Ed Gass Donnelly wrote the screenplay, and then Huck 
Bokto are the characters created by. All right. And then Ed Gastonelli was the director. So weird. I wouldn't have never. And that stars uh, uh, Julia Garner is the main is the main actress in that. So when are we going to get Damien Chazelle's art- auteur horror movie? That's kind of what I was thinking. It's like, wait a minute. He's done two horror things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, when he's directing, he's it's it's like jazz and Hollywood are three-fourths of the things that he's interested in. <laughs> when, when is Damien Chazelle going to say, hey, Ari Aster, look at this? <laughs> yeah, really. He's like, oh, yeah, you, you think you can do a uh, a kind of like psychedelic not horror movie? Well, I'm going to now make a horror movie, you know, because that Bo isn't or Bo is afraid or Disappointment Boulevard or whatever they're calling it now. Mm-hmm. Um, looks uh, not like the other two movies that Ari Aster has made. <laughs> no, it looks like it looks like uh, halfway through that trailer, it, it turns into a um, uh, what's that guy's name? Michelle Gondry Bjork video from oh, the right. 90s. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, I watched it and I was like, man, I like Ari, Ast- Ari Aster, but I'm I'm watching it going. This does not look like it's for me. So no. So we'll see. I don't know what that is, but I'll see it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll eventually see it. And then I'll talk about like this. Why didn't I see this earlier? Fuck. This is yeah. good. Hey, guys, yeah. did you know that this thing that won six, six Oscars is pretty good? <laughs> like what a fucking dummy when i come to stuff like that i think that that's also part of the deal it's like when a thing wins so many oscars or wins you know it's got 243 wins across the the award spectrum when it has that much uh surrounding it it's like Mm -hmm. the barrier for me is a little higher because i'm like all right you better be fucking good show me how good you are movie you know it's like i feel like that going into it and it's yet another movie about movies that wins a bunch of awards. Yeah, and so that was kind of a, a, a hesitation also. It's, it's it's just like, is this just going to be a, oh, look how it is in Hollywood, stroke, stroke, like mm-hmm. kind of a thing. But no, it's really fucking good and yeah. really fucking charming. It's the point where I'm like almost angry when i like movies about movies because it's like (laughs) we get it you love making (laughs) movies about movies because hooray movies and the Mm. industry loves it and it's just like you know fablemans i'm just Mm. like i I went into it being like i don't know like do we really need to see steven spielberg making a movie about himself and how great he is at making movies and guess what? He's really great at making movies. So, of course, it's a great movie. <laughs> well, who are you fooling? Everyone knew that you were going to like that movie. I, I, well, yeah. I mean, I, I do have a big problem with it, and my wife didn't like it at all. Oh, really? And we, had a, we had a really interesting discussion after after it. Hmm. But, I mean, the, the things that are good about it are just so amazingly good. <laughs> it's like, of course, of course Spielberg made, made a great movie. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I wonder how much of that is like inertia from just he knows how to assemble all of the right people to do all of the right things. So like, well, yeah. the bottom is not going to be that low. That's true, and he, and he's yeah, I mean, he's worked with the same people for so long that it's just like this, you know, it's like the New England Patriots of movie making, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. That's a good point. Well, what about the what about the music in this? We mentioned. How I didn't love their vocals, but what did you think of just the music in general? Again, oh, I mean, an Oscar winner, so. Yes, I mean, and before <laughs> this, I never heard of Justin Hurwitz, and now he's like a perennial awards winner, mm-hmm. and um, 
I mean, this is a biggest shit musical that's completely original from start to finish. Right. And it's got like three or four extremely memorable songs, maybe because three or four songs all kind of have the same bridge. Mm. <laughs> like my, my wife, my wife made fun of this movie when it first came out. She's like, every song sounds like, it's true. There's like three different songs that have that same kind of note progression and in the bridge. Just putting on the Ritz the whole time. Yes, exactly. But I mean, you know, uh, it, it captures all the, all the eras that it wants to capture. It's got the jazz. It's got like the old, the, the old romance, kind of big sweeping strings in it mm-hmm. i mean it's great i've listened to the soundtrack album more times than i could count you know I'm what's sure. funny about that is is so as much trouble as i was having with the beginning uh the beginning song i was mm-hmm. like i was like i bet sean has this shit and listens to it a lot <laughs> <laughs> because i just knew you know i just it just had that sort of uh, we don't give a shit. We're doing a big ass musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it just had that sort of attitude about it. And so, you know, uh, Rachel that I, um, have had on here for years and years, she loves herself musicals. Uh, her, she's got her own tab in my Plex account, which is all of her movies. Mm-hmm. And like 90% of them are, are old musicals, just a ton of Judy Garland mm-hmm. stuff and just a ton of, that sort of thing. And so she, of course, you know, loved the movie. I, uh, when I, I have this on voodoo and when I put it on today, you know, voodoo remembers where you stopped the movie, no matter how long it's been since you watched it. And I saw it was like partway through. I'm like, well, I, this absolutely is going to be in at the end of the Canyon dance scene. And it was, <laughs> I've watched that scene so many times. Mm-hmm. And to me, whatever, you know, I guess I never really, had a complaint about their singing voices because I was just too dazzled by everything else. That mm. dance scene is just, I, it's wonderful. It is. It's like, like I, when you watch, when I was watching that in the theater, I'm like, this is why I want to go to the movies yeah. <laughs> just to watch this scene. And, um, you know, you were saying where like, she can finally, we were saying she can finally sing with her chest voice when she mm-hmm. gets to the audition. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, that's the kind of scene where when an actress reads that script and you get to that scene, you have to know, like, well, I'm going to win the Academy Award for this scene. Yeah, here's my Oscar moment. Yeah, exactly. If I if I pull this scene off, I am going to win the Academy Award, which, of course, she did. Mm-hmm. And you were talking we were talking about her face, her mm-hmm. expressive face mm-hmm. like that scene to me is the proof that that it's really her singing on that screen. Like, I don't think that that's put in after. I think she's singing. We're hearing that performance. Cause her, you can see it on her face that this is not easy for her to sing this song. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, she is fighting. She is fighting it through that whole scene. And it's like, it, she's fighting for her life. The, the character is mm-hmm. fighting for her professional life. And Emma Stone is fighting to sing this song. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a powerful piece of film acting and just to stage it in a way where the camera's just going around her in one unbroken shot the whole time. It's, I mean, like I say, that's why we go to the movies. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. That's what you, <laughs> yeah, that's why you make movies. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Well, that's the extent of my notes. What else have we missed from what you wrote down, Sean? Well, I just wanted to say what I said at the beginning that the movie already feels 
uh, I guess out of time, out of its own time already. Yeah. Even six years later, it seems like a like a relic of the past. This would be a very different movie if you made it now. Not only because, um, you know, like the, this movie came out like a year and a half after the hashtag Oscars so white thing. Mm. And so it was it was in production when that was happening. And I, I feel like if this movie was made later, it wouldn't be the whitest movie ever made. Mm. <laughs> but also just to depict people struggling in Hollywood, particularly a young actress struggling in Hollywood before Me Too happened. Oh, interesting. It's like that's a whole aspect of the struggle of being in Hollywood that is not even it's not breached. It's not touched on any way in this movie there there's not even a scene where like you know not just the tiniest moment where one of the casting directors says a rude comment to her or anything Mm -hmm. like you know rude in that way um yeah because the only the only hint of that is when she talks about how there's other people there that are prettier than her and yeah um, which that sort of thing right but there's no like casting couch moment Mm mm-hmm there's no there's no I, I don't feel like there's any moment in this movie where Mia has to degrade herself for her art. Yeah. Or for a job. Yeah, it's, it's no like, uh it's no starry eyes, if you've seen that movie. I have not. I've never oh, heard of that movie. Oh, it's uh Alex Esso. Oh oh she's fantastic. Yes, it's her as a struggling uh Hollywood actress and okay. it's a horror movie with her trying to get by the casting couch situation but she's like uh she's she's like rebecca hall huh she's just like i'm just gonna do all horror movies yeah i'm gonna be awesome in every single one and it it is one of those where i heard about that movie for a while and it is wonderful mm, i gotta check and that it out. is gross as hell <laughs> Ooh, i like that yeah I like so that i have that on much. my plex mr stangland if you're Excellent. so interested i'll have to take a look yeah i just feel like if you made this movie now this exact same movie it would not be met with the same acclaim because you just can't i think you can't make a movie about this now without addressing certain things even though it was only six and a half years ago right so much has happened so much well i mean all those things were happening before but so much has been brought into the public eye in the mm-hmm. last six and a half years, you know, it is a very, a, a very white upper middle class, no real stakes kind of a movie. No, yeah, no <laughs> but yet stakes it's at wonderful. all. Like they say, they, <laughs> they both end. Well, yeah, it's, it's you know, if if you just take it as a pure fantasy, <laughs> yeah. If you don't, you know, and I, you try to to put more into it. I don't know if you should or not, but I was trying to put more into it watching it today. But it's like, no, you, I, I've watched it for six year, plus years as a pure fantasy. So just do that because it works perfectly on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's like I'm trying to grapple with is this movie really as good as I thought it was. And, well, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, I don't I, it doesn't mean I have to watch it every every other week like I used to. But <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it is one where you can just kind of, I mean, I could see to where this could be on in the background as a thing that you just kind of flit in and out of, because mm-hmm. you know that there, like we were saying, you know that there's not big consequences or stakes. Right. And so you can just kind of enjoy, it's just like old, it's almost like um, back when stars were stars, and mm-hmm. you can just go to the movie to watch them being them and being charming. Yes, you know, kind of the absolutely. age that is ending with like the George Clooney kind of era. Right. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so, so I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I was like, I was a little worried about 20 minutes in going, uh Oh, is this not, is this good? Because I, I assumed based on that you picked it and because it was a musical, I was like, well, Sean's going to like this. So I hope that I'm not going to come in and just dump all over what I didn't get about this movie. Oh, but I but I long for that because you I, and I are you and I are so simpatico on everything. Yeah, I am here to 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 tell you that it is it is good. So it is in fact it's not, it is really that good. Yeah, it, it's not just uh, in your head. So. All right, well, anything else that we didn't that we didn't mention? I'm looking through the notes one last time here, and I think we covered it everything. I, I think we covered it everything. Oh no. <laughs> Here, the last note I had, I thought that this was a little thing that I never really picked up on before. Mm-hmm. At the very end, when they're stuck in traffic, when she and uh, Spartacus from That Thing You Do are stuck in traffic. <laughs> right. Um, she she is going to do the very same thing that was done to her five years pr- before. Because they're driving to somewhere and they're like, oh, we'll see it back in New York. Oh yeah, like right, they, right. They are right. going to see a friend's show, and she's like, "Nah, we'll see it back in New York." So she ditched on a show, a friend's show, just like what happened to her. So it's just like the little hint of, "Yep, she's one of those people now." Mm-hmm. And, oh, like and maybe she, and maybe it's because she now understands, yeah, this is how it is, and it's a job. It's it's art, but it's also a job, and we mm-hmm. all have other commitments, you know. We only have so much time. That's right. And I, I and I hope uh, I hope Sebastian realized that too, and uh, is managing his job good enough that his club is still open. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it's not called what he wanted it to be called. Yeah, chicken on a stick. Yeah, that's right. That is correct. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up. If you have any comments for the show, you could email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. If you wanted to help out the show, you could check out our show notes where you'll find the link to our Amazon wish list. Also there at those show notes, I'll be uh, uploading the PDF of the movies that I have and haven't seen. If you wanted to check those out, mock me or push me into what I should be watching next or maybe even with who. I do want to thank Mr. <laughs> Stanglin for coming on. If people wanted to hear more from you or get in touch with you, where could they do that? You can search for my fine articles at dailyherald.com. Wonderful. So thank you for listening, and you can join me next week with another guest and another film. City of stars, are you shining just for me? City of stars, there's so much that I can't see. I felt it from the first embrace I shared with you That now our dreams may finally come true City of stars, just one thing everybody wants Screen of the crowded restaurant. It's love. Yes, all we're looking for is love from someone else. A rush, a glance, a touch, a dance, a look in somebody's eyes to light up the skies, to open the world and send me.
a voice that says I'll be here and you'll be alright. I don't care if I know just where I will go, cause all that I need is this crazy feeling I got tapped out of my Think I want it to stay City of stars Are you shining just for me? City of stars You never shine